Welcome to the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Danny Small, alongside with my esteemed co-host, Chip Murphy. Chip, how are we doing today? I'm good, Danny. Thank you for calling me esteemed, by the way. I don't, think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's true, but I appreciate it. I think that's a first for me. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's all love over here. Um, so obviously, we got a few things to talk about. We got first three games in the books for the Knicks, 0-3. Tough loss in that fourth quarter in San Antonio. Knicks hung around, played pretty well for the first three quarters, but then fell apart in that 18-0 run the Spurs had in the fourth. The Nets was a little different. We had Knicks didn't really play well the first three quarters, um, or at least the first two, and then they kind of found their rhythm in the second half, pulled back into it, but then with a minute left, they you know let Kyrie Irving be Kyrie Irving, and they lost a close one. That was a tough one for sure. But then we're now we're recording this Sunday, so last night the loss to the Celtics. That one, I think that one was the toughest because um, they really, really imploded late. I mean, they they played a great first half. D looked okay. Offense was a little stunted, a little like struggling to kind of get things fluid. But you know, they were they were they should have beat the Celtics if you looked at the first three quarters, and then it was just another fourth quarter collapse. And we'll get to all of that bad stuff eventually but we figured we'd start with the no doubt number one positive of the year so far is rj barrett is a stud i think i know i I actually just wrote something about overreacting to things but i don't think it's an overreaction to say rj barrett's going to be a legit legit player in the league like potential all-star down the line because he's 19 years old and he looks like a man out there like he's the way he drives the basket. I know his shot outside is going to be a little inconsistent. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna hammer him if he has bad shooting nights here and there. But I mean, when he goes to the basket, he's in traffic. He finishes. He draws contact. He can rebound. I mean, he just to me, he looks like he's he's like a you know five year vet who's been doing this you know for a long time. And I think for sure, for sure. That's my biggest takeaway so far from the Knicks is that I think they got they got one of the guys who can be, you know, the guy, like that first or second star on a team. I think Barrett looks like that. Obviously, he's going to have his growing pains, some ups and downs. But man, I, I mean, I can't tell you I can't tell you enough how excited I am about Barrett. What do you what do you see out of uh, out of the rookie chip? Yeah, I'm so impressed by him. I watched like every game almost. I'm a Duke fan, so I loved the fact that we got him. I was so happy yeah. that we got him, that we were able to win the uh, go far up enough in the lottery to be able to get him. And I've just been so surprised that he's made seven out of 13 threes, man. I never would have thought, and I know obviously seven out of 13, very small sample size, but still, based on the way he shot it at Duke, Look, obviously, people are going to talk about his free throw shooting, and he's been bad from the line, and he was bad at Duke. But free throw shooting, you can always improve through repetition, and you can get better. Look at how much better DeAndre Jordan got. He was one of the worst in history. 
but the three-point shooting has just been shocking. I'm not sure if it's been sustainable. It's going to be sustainable, but it's been really impressive, and his stroke looks pretty good too. Uh, I've just been so impressed by the fact that he's fearless, man. Regardless mm-hmm. of what happens to him, he just keeps going at it and going at it. And there's a lot of people who, who uh, I get maybe didn't watch too much of him at Duke. He was kind of the guy at Duke, regardless of Zion, to the point where Duke people were upset that he was taking too many shots and thought he was taken away from Zion. And I'll admit I was one of them. And I thought that Coach K uh, undercoached that team a little bit to uh, be uh-huh. nice to Coach K. <laughs> but um, the the turnovers are a little bit of a concern. And I'm not just talking about him. I'm talking about the entire team. Uh-huh. Turnovers have been a disaster. How about Julius Randle uh, with 12 turnovers? Dude, like you're yeah. a power forward. Right. It's like that's too many turnovers. RJ's, a, RJ's 19. And he's got the ball in his hands the whole game. He's being asked to play point guard. He's going to have a lot of turnovers. I get that. But Julius Randle needs to get his head right. Something's going on there. But back to Barrett, I've also been really impressed by his defense, man. Because yeah. he, did he didn't play defense at Duke. Like, And I know college games totally different. They're just looking to get theirs on offense a lot of the time. But I've just been really impressed by that. He's... Uh, He's been, I don't Frank hasn't been on the court, but we do know he's their best defender. He's been their best on-ball defender, I'd say. Trier can't guard his own shadow. Mm-hmm. And Smith looks like, you know, a shell of himself as being nice. So I would say he's their best guard defender. You know, I, they were playing, I mean, I'll get, we'll get to Fizdale later, like you said, but the fact that. Alonzo Trier was guarding Kemba Walker in the fourth quarter last night. Made me want to pull my damn hair out. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I don't I mean, want to uh, get started on that yet, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure, like the whole defense is something that we'll talk about. But you're right, Barrett has looked, and that, like, I keep saying, I keep putting these like qualifiers on things when I talk about Barrett. I'm like, oh, I'm really excited, but I think his shooting is going to be inconsistent. Which, I like, like you said, the three points been great lately. But I don't want to like hold him to the standard of oh he yeah. needs to shoot forty percent. But did, like one thing I didn't think uh, I I'm not shocked that Barrett's knocking down threes. He's got a good stroke, you know, form is good. He's driving to the basket, so people are giving him that space. I'm not like shocked. I'm actually really surprised that he's playing this well defensively because I just yeah. rookie you don't expect it, you know, from someone coming out who's like an offensive stud. You don't expect this, and I mean. You know, like Gordon Gordon Hayward, who's, for you know, I know there's layers to the conversation about him, but he's a legit NBA player and, like, you know, a potential star if he can get back to what he is. Last night, Barrett, like, goaded him into a charge, like, all the way outside the basket. Like, he's just, he seems like he's got the right instincts, like, at every turn almost. And that's both sides of the ball. But I think the fact that his defense is this good already, I mean, he he had DeRozan in game one, and he played you know really good defense on DeRozan when he was matched up on him. I mean, like he's just he's he's so far ahead of where I thought he would be at this point. And I think there's it's I mean you you hear like Fizdale in the post game talk about it whenever he's asked about him. You know he said when the popcorn's popping, he's ready to go. I think last night he said you know he's a stud. I mean this is 
by far, you know, number one, if you're a Knicks fan, you can almost live with this 0-3 start just because you're watching R.J. Barrett at the same time and you're, you know, you're just envisioning what he can be in the future. Um, and especially, like, you brought it up, he's playing, he's being asked to play a lot of point guard, which is something he, you know, he looks pretty comfortable with, but it's not something that, you know, is necessarily his exact, um, you know, it's going to be his role going forward. But, I mean, man, the kid, he just does it all. Fearless. He, he, yesterday, I think in the beginning of the game, he had, you know, he missed a free throw, and the ball just kind of bounced right back to him. I mean, how many rookies would catch that ball? I just missed yeah. a free throw. Let me pull it out. Oh, let me, let me get it to a, a vet and just, you know, oh, man, I, I can't believe I missed that free throw. Grabbed it, and he just, like, went in between, like, three guys, cool, calm, collected, goes up, makes the, makes the layup, like, he just, I mean, he's so tough, and he's a lot stronger than I thought he would be this this stage. Because, I mean, he's a big physical guy, but he's not getting beat, and he's not getting, like, pushed around by bigger guys who are, you know, guys in their mid-20s, early 30s, who are, you know, grown men, and he's yeah, not getting pushed around. Not a lot of rookies finish through contact like that. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, Zion's going to be that guy. Yeah. He's a monster, but... A lot of most rookies shy away from contact for obvious reasons. So it's, I mean, the guy is incredible at what he does. So it's really impressive, man. I mean, he's, uh, I knew he was going to be good. Of course, we all knew he's going to be good. But like you said, we didn't know he was going to be this far along. We didn't know he was going to be this good this fast. Yeah. I mean, first, like, I keep saying it, but that, if you're a Knicks fan, like hold on to RJ Barrett right now. Watch RJ Barrett highlights. Like, just soak up everything that you can from him because mm-hmm. there's not much else that has happened this year that that will make you feel that good about this team. Um, and I think this is we should transition into some of that bad stuff, unfortunately. Um, and I'm I'm going to start it off with Dennis Smith Jr. because I think as much as Barrett is probably the number one story of the team. If you're looking for like a number one like negative storyline to kind of follow right now, I think Dennis Smith Jr. is it because I mean he just looks like he's completely lost on on both ends. I mean we know his defense has never been that good, but he's getting you know lost around screens. He has you know no clue where he is. He just is getting messed up in the defensive coverages, and then the offense, which is supposed to be his game is just as bad. I mean, I think he's one for 11 shooting the ball this year. Yeah. Um, he's, I, he's only, I think he's only got two turnovers right now. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he's like, he's not like he's turning the ball over a lot, but he's just, I mean, there was a play last night where Bre- Mike Breen said it afterwards. He was like, he just looks completely uncomfortable and Smith, you know, he gets out in transition and you're thinking, all right, he's running. He's, you know, this is his bread and butter. Get out in transition. And the lane just completely opened up. Three Celtics just gave him the lane, and he just stopped at the foul line, backed up, and then took like a step back three. You know, bricks it obviously. Um, and I think he's just—he seems like he's so in his head right now. Um, the one—the one thing not that was like I hate to be the guy who's like reading into body language too much because I think there's—he's you can you can just make assumptions that aren't necessarily true. But, I mean, his body language doesn't look good. When he came out at the end, you know, he rips his jersey out. Dotson and Frank go up to, you know, high-five him and, you know, hey, man, it's all good, whatever they're going to say to him. 
and you know Smith just walks by him. You know, you can tell he's muttering under his breath. I mean, and then his post game press conference. I'll give him credit because he doesn't need to be there. He could have slipped out the back door if he really wanted to. Um, I give him credit for actually standing up and answering the questions. But, you know, you could tell there's just the confidence is shot. No, I look, I'm, I almost feel bad for Dennis Smith. Like, or I kind of mm-hmm. do because I'm not a big Dennis Smith fan in terms of his game, but it's sad to watch, man. Like he, he doesn't belong out there right now and I don't blame him. So I, I blame Fizdale for putting him out there. He's putting him in a bad spot and he just looks terrible out there. And it, like you said, even Breen mentioned it and it's going to get to a point when he's getting booed mm-hmm. at home in game three by the fans. Uh, I think he came in in the third quarter with like three minutes left against the Celtics or something. When he came back in in that game, I was like, are you kidding me? He's really coming back in? They're really bringing him Mm -hmm. back in again? Mm -hmm. They can't possibly be doing that to this kid. And then he came back in and he got, he made a bad foul and he missed another three. And I was like, Jesus Christ. How are they doing? Like, this is torture at this point. What yeah. are they doing? This is just bad. This is a bad decision all around. And they had the out because right after uh, they brought him in, there was like the two-minute TV timeout or something. Mm-hmm. And so they could have just kept him on the bench. And after the two-minute TV timeout, Fizdale still left him in. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? I, I just, I, I felt for the kid, man, mm-hmm. because he, like you said, and I'm glad you brought up the body language thing, because I, I don't think you're reading too much into it. I was going to bring that up too. His body language when he came out of the game and he just like, he, like you said, he pulled his mm-hmm. jersey out and he just walked by Fizdale and it was like, it just looked like a guy who was in his head and didn't didn't want to be out there, man, and I can't blame him. And I don't yeah. know if it's that he's hurt or at what point do we go from saying, oh, Dennis Smith banged up to Dennis Smith just kind of sucks. And maybe Dennis Smith is in his head and has the yips or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's a it's a really weird situation. And the fact that he's getting booed by the home fans is that's a killer, man. Yeah. I mean, you brought it up earlier, but yeah, I don't think I don't think you can play him on Monday at home against the Bulls because no, I mean, you know that that Garden crowd. I, I'm I was actually surprised that they were already you know so so on top of him and you know the Frank chance and everyone knows I'm one of the biggest Frank believers out there. But, yep, me too. You know, I mean, love him. You, you Fizdale, he couldn't bring in Frank after that because say he brings in Nilakina. And, I mean, it would have been, like, Nilakina has, like, a decent, you know, just, like, a okay start to, you know, playing whatever when he goes out there. This would be even a bigger story because it's like, yeah. oh, well, Frank's better than him now. I think you got to just – you got to give Dennis Smith Jr. the night off on Monday. Let him, let him watch from the bench, see some things. Then you got two road games. You can go back to him then if you want. He's not going to get booed. He's not going to have that kind of, 
you know, that pressure of the garden there. Um, but yeah, it's just, he, he was, it was, it was tough to watch because like you said, he, he clearly had nothing going on. He's in his own head so badly. Um, I think it's, and it's the thing I, I wrote, I just, I just wrote about this, but the problem there too, is that they had so much invested in him because the three, three pieces they got back for Porzingis cap space, nothing happened from that. They're still, you know, rolling that back to 2021. Then you got future draft picks where, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a Dallas believer. So if those are, <laughs> if those are, you know, if those are in the twenties, those picks, not, not all that valuable. I mean, they're first rounders, so they are, but you know what I mean? And then Dennis Smith Jr. is the third part of that piece. If he doesn't turn out to be like a, you know, a, at least an average starting point guard in this league, what did the Knicks get back for Porzingis? I mean, it, there's, they have, they have a lot invested in him invested in him so they like they need him to succeed and right now it's just everything's going wrong and i i know we're probably overreacting he didn't really play much in preseason it seems like he doesn't have his rhythm yet i'm sure he's not going to average one point for the entire season (laughs) but that being said like there's just he he looks as bad as anyone looks in the nba right now yeah it's it sucks because He's at like they were saying, like Green was saying, he's so talented. But and I think Clyde called him the most talented point guard on the team, but he just isn't able to use it. Like you mentioned, when he was about to go in for a dunk, it looked like, and then came back out and shot a three. It was like, what's going on in his head? That and that's like, can he not? Can he not dunk? Yeah, he that's one of those delays. Dunk right now. Yeah, in the past you would see him, even like two guys in front of him, you'd see yeah. him no fear. Like I'm going at both of you, and you can just try and stop me. Yeah. And last night, yeah, he like he foul line, then he just yanks it out, and then he, I mean, and they're leaving him open. Like what? Are, like why? Why are the Celtics going to go out and like you know press him at the three point line? He's not. Yeah. He's not hitting anything. Leave him open. It's just when he's playing his best ball, they're not going to go out there. And yeah, press him it, at the three-point line. You know, unless he hits like two or three in a row and he starts to get hot, teams are going to mm-hmm. give him that shot. And you know, I think right now part of that is in his head because I think, I think it was uh, Bondi of the, of the Daily News asked him about you know teams kind of leaving him open and sagging off of him, and he kind of said like that's not what's happening. You know, he, I think he said something like I only took two shots, so it's not that they're leaving me open. But I mean, through three games. They're, everybody's leaving him open. Like no one's covering him because they know yeah. they know he's not confident with his shot right now. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. Why would you cover a guy who is one for eleven, <laughs> who can't make yeah. a shot? Yeah, I mean, like that's that's just basic basketball. Even if you're playing at the Y, guy, guy yeah. misses you know ten of eleven shots. It's like oh, <laughs> leave, leave that guy yeah. open. We're, we're good. Leave, we're good. Leave like, the guy open. <laughs> and, yeah. And I, I, I think anyone who's played pickup basketball has been there before. When you miss a couple shots, and you're all of a sudden starting to starting to be like, "Oh, holy shit! Like, uh, do yeah. I actually suck this bad?" And it's just, it's weird because that happens to me when I'm playing at, you know, twenty uh, four hour fitness. It's not supposed to happen to NBA players. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we we go kill Dennis Smith too too much, I think we no. have because uh, yeah, like we said, he's young. I think there are other guys who definitely deserve some of the ire as well. Um, 
and I'll I know we got to touch both of these guys. Do you want to get to Fizdale or Randall first? Because I think I think they're kind of interconnected. Oh, uh, I have a lot to say about Fizz. Uh, not as much about Randall. So if we if we're doing Randall, you can kick things off. All right, you know, no, go go with Fizz because my Randall stuff kind of ties in with uh, with Fizzdale. So I'll I'll just pepper that in as we go. Okay, I, I can tell you have you have a lot to say about Fizz. <laughs> so I want to hear this. I, I'm ready. I, I do have a lot to say about Fizz, man. Uh, I, I'm pissed. I mean, like I told you before the show, uh, preseason me is a lot different from regular season me. Different most of the fair. time. I think, I think yeah. that's okay. <laughs> And I'm pissed because I know it's early and I'm trying not to overreact. And as I've gotten older, I've become a different type of sports fan. But, and maybe it's, maybe it's the shitty jet season that we're having when I thought like nine or 10 wins stupidly was a possibility. Maybe that's bleeding over into this. And maybe the Yankees not making the World Series is bleeding over into this. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough time for you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a Jets and Yankees fan too, so I know yeah. it's, it's it's not good for New York sports. But yeah, this is it's not good, not a good time. But I'm pissed because we're zero and three. I'm not just pissed because we're zero and three. I'm pissed because we're zero and three, and we could be two and one. No, we had no business winning the Celtics game, none at all. Mm-hmm. But we lost the Nets game. We lost the Spurs game because our late game execution has been shit. Yeah. Uh, Fizz. I'm starting to lose confidence in Fizz. I'm starting to lose confidence in the coach, man. Uh, You know, the Spurs went on an 18-0 run in the fourth quarter. I think we were up six. six, uh, 97-91, yeah. R.J. Barrett comes into the game. Alfred Payton comes out and Fizz decides to go with no point guard again because that worked so well in the first quarter when they kicked the crap out of us when it was uh, Barrett and Trier. San Antonio goes on the run, game over. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't explain why he would do something like that. I can't explain why he would go with the no point guard lineup in the first place in Barrett's first game ever on the road against one of the best defensive point guards, maybe the best defensive mm. point guard behind Patrick Beverly in the NBA with DeJounte Murray. Like, why would you put Barrett in that situation? Unless you're just saying, I'm trying to challenge him. I, I don't know. Right? Or are you going for the win? Or are you trying to challenge your rookie? I don't know. And that's, then that's... I, yeah, not, oh, sorry. sorry not to cut you off, but I'm just... That's part of the problem is that, you know, all preseason training camp at media day, we're going to win. We want to win. The the goal is winning this year. Obviously, they did say they want to develop their players. That's just everyone knows that. But, like, the goal is we want to win. I agree. Why are you putting Barrett in that situation, you know, with Trier? I mean, clearly, and I know the rotations were a little different and stunted because Peyton didn't start, but clearly Peyton was the guy who was making it all work. I know he had some foul trouble too, but still, yeah. I mean, why, why are you putting Barrett in a situation where it's, you know, he, as great as he played in that game and as good as he looked, it's just a it's a tough situation to put a 19-year-old kid in. I'm so sick of the – and I know it's traditional to take guys out when they get into foul trouble and all that, but Mitch is always picking up stupid fouls. Always picking up stupid fouls. 
And I look, David Fizdale knows much more about basketball than I do, of course, than both of us put together. But Mitchell Robinson, they got to try something different with the fouling. When he picks up two fouls or something, maybe you just say F it and keep him in the game. See if he can not pick up a foul once. Just just keep him in when he's in foul trouble. You know, because yeah. taking him right out isn't working. He's still coming right back in and picking up another foul. Okay, so you got to try something different or else he's just going to be a guy who picks up stupid fouls for his whole career. There are guys like that. Those guys mm-hmm. do exist. Those guys just don't turn into Rudy Gobert. They stay dumb and they stay JaVale McGee for their whole career. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And I, I, mean, I love Mitch. I, I love him. I, I think he's one of the best things the Knicks have going for him right now. But, I mean, can we stop talking about, oh, I'm going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year? Can we stop talking about, I'm, I'm shooting threes this year? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, listen, I know he's probably – a lot of it has to do with, like, reporters asking the question and, like, leading him to these places. But – like, if I have to see one more MSG segment where it's, like, Mitchell Robinson talking about how he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year, like, let's just, let's settle, like, let's settle down with, with that. Because if you can't stay on the court for more than 15 minutes a game, you're not going to, you're not, you know, you're not going to be winning Defensive Player of the Year anytime soon. And I, like, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to kill him too much because I think what you, you know, I think what you're saying is there's some validity to it. You got to sometimes just say, "Hey, Mitch, like you got three fouls in the first half. Don't get another one." You know, let's. Yeah. And this is goes back to that same thing with putting Barrett in a tough situation, telling him to like work through it. I think you've got to do that at some points. And with Mitch, at least, at least you know, like you have Taj Gibson in your back pocket, who you know he's not what he used to be, of course, and he's kind of like not exactly in the rotation completely yet. But you know, he's a competent. NBA player who, if Mitch gets in the, you know, gets fouled out in the third quarter, you know, okay, Taj Gibson's ready to go. You know, you he, you know, he's not going to completely kill your team. So I think in terms of that, like they have that depth inside, they can, you know, let Mitch kind of work through some of these issues. They don't have that same depth at point guard where they can, they can kind of uh, mess around with Barrett like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and. I'm going to be uh, – I'm just going to kind of pivot a, a second here. I'm going to give Fizdale a little leeway here because there's so much roster turnover this year, and it's clear that the guys just aren't comfortable playing with each other yet. I mean, the second half, every game, the ball just seems to stick, and guys are just looking for theirs. It you know it turns into iso ball. Um, and I think content matters and I want to see 10 games, how they look, you know, 15 games, how they look, but yeah, so far, so far, no good. It's, it's been bad. Okay. I get that. I get that. Totally. I totally get that. But the next game and I, that's why I'm trying not to overreact, but I still, I'm, I'm blaming him a lot for these losses because we can't. Here, I'm first. I'm going to talk about that before I go into my final thing on him, because mm-hmm. I'm look. The Nets game was a killer because it not just because it was a brutal loss and they lost down the stretch and they should have won, but it was against the Nets and mm-hmm. it was basically a home game and Kyrie was getting booed at the free throw line and that was great. They gave us every single chance to win 
in that game. They played like crap in the fourth quarter. And the Knicks are not a good shooting team. The Knicks made 17 threes in that game. They may not make 17 threes in a game again for the rest of the season. And they lost. That was inexcusable. And then the Boston game looked at. They played well in the first half, but I don't think I ever really thought they were going to be Boston. Kemba always goes mm. off against them. He just always. exploded. He had 32, I think. And then there's, you know, you mentioned the Frank situation. For me, that just infuriated me. I mean, they go up against two of the best point guards in the East, and your best perimeter defender can't get off the bench. Uh, He's had such success against Kemba. You know, I mean, we've talked about him on the show multiple times. Like, I don't want to call him a Kemba stopper because I don't think he's not. Like, he's had good games against Kemba, but... Why wouldn't you put your best defender out there? Like Kemba Walker is torching you. I mean, what 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 did he shoot? Like seventy percent from the field yesterday, thirty yeah. plus points. I mean, Kemba is just torching you, and you're leaving your best guy on the bench. Um, and he said, you know, Frank's going to get his opportunities. You know, yada yada. Which I'm that, sure, oh I'm my sure God. he will. I'm sure he will. But you know, if if not if not now, when? What are his opportunities? If his opportunities aren't guarding the best uh, point guards in the NBA, what are his opportunities going to be? And if Frank isn't a Kemba stopper or isn't good enough to guard Kemba Walker in David Fisdale's mind, does David Fisdale think that Alonzo Trier is better suited to guard Kemba Walker than Frank Nielakina? I would love to ask him that question. I really would. Because maybe he thinks that. Like, I don't know. This is the best Kevin Knox has ever looked in his career shooting the ball. And the dude is playing. He's got six more total minutes than Bobby freaking Portis right now. Last year, he sucked. And he led the team in minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what is going actually, on, man? That's a good point. Ah, it's so weird the way he's playing this team. And I know it's three minutes. But uh, I can't. The, the biggest thing for me after these three games is, like I said, I'm losing confidence in Fizdale, but I'm working on something right now. Like you said, you're working on that thing about overreactions, and I know it sounds like, which is ironic because I'm sounds like I'm overreacting <laughs> here, but I'm working on something which is basically the crux of it is who or what is David Fizdale as a coach? Is he a guy who we were sold as He's the guy who's going to come in and develop young talent and be a Miami Heat type. You know, like Eric Spolstra takes Hassan Whiteside from whereversville that no one's ever heard of. He went to Marshall mm-hmm. and then went to Japan and then he became a max player all-star. You know, they did the same thing. They brought Tyler Johnson out of nowhere and Josh Richardson becomes one of the best three and D players in the NBA. And he, they sign and trade him for Jimmy B. That's what the Heat do. They develop guys. We thought David Fisdale was going to be that guy. Okay. Let's not act like he did anything with Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson was a McDonald's All-American. Mm-hmm. He could have gone to Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, wherever he wanted to. He just didn't want to go to college. He didn't want to show up at one class a semester. <laughs> he, didn't yeah, want, I, he didn't care yeah, about yeah. that stuff. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, he just said, but, I'll hang out for a year instead of doing that. There was no development needed. The guy was amazing. And 
the development that he's needed to do, what has he done? Dennis Smith has regressed completely under him. And he's just basically thrown Frank Nielakina to the side. And now Kevin Knox, I don't know what he's doing with Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox doesn't know his role. Uh, David Fisdale sure as hell doesn't know Kevin Knox's role. Uh, is he a role player? Is he a starter? Uh, look, it's to me, it's interesting because we don't, like you said, their statement has been, we plan to win. Well, is playing Bobby Portis 25 minutes a game the best route to winning? And I, I don't just see too much from Portis so far this year. I know it's early, but I don't know what David Fisdale is. Is he a guy who's going to come in and help them develop young players like Barrett and like Knox and like Frank and Mitch? Or is he just another Jeff Hornacek? Is he a guy who is afraid of being fired and who is just going to do whatever the front office tells him to? And that scares me, man, because I think he might be closer to Jeff Hornacek than we thought and closer to another guy like that than we thought. And just based on some of his statements from to the media from this year, he sounds a lot different. Like he, it took one losing season Last year, he sounded like a genuine human being, kind of. And this year, he sounds like he's speaking all in coach speak. He sounds like a politician. Oh, look, maybe I'm over it. Like I said, regular season me is different than preseason me. We, God, we let all, it out. Yeah, I, I just, this is how I feel about it. When I, read the, when I read the thing where he said, Frank will get his opportunities, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> He'll get his opportunities tonight against Kemba when when uh, Alonzo Trier walked into a screen and was like, what do I do now? I don't know. Is this a screen? Mm. What What do you do when someone yeah. sets a screen on you? Yeah. God, that wasn't an opportunity? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, man. I think I'm, I'm going to j- – I just – I have to play devil's advocate a little bit and just defend Fizz because okay. I think – it's clear, it's clearly like no one knows how to play with each other, and I think obviously that goes back to the coach. But I think as time goes on, they'll kind of figure each other out. But the one thing I just and I'm, I, I said I would go back to this: the Julius Randle point forward thing. It's not. I mean, it, I don't think it's not going to happen. And I I was I was open to it. I mean, he's he's had some decent numbers with his assists over the years, which you know, listen, he's I'm I don't feel like awful when he has the ball in his hands. Trust me, I. I think Randall's a very good player. He's struggling a little bit right now. He's not shooting the ball well, but I think he'll he'll be fine. But this idea that, you know, oh, well, he's going to be this facilitator that's going to, you know, we're going to want the ball in his hand, so he's going to be able to dish, you know, and be kind of that point forward role. I mean, he's he's he turns the ball over every every time. Um what is he's got uh right now he's averaging four turnovers a game, 4.3 assists. 4.3 assists is a career high, but if you're turning the ball over as many times as you're making an assist, I mean that's if you if you're going to be like a point guard or a facilitator, two to one turnover to assist ratio is like that's that's like the baseline. That's you. I mean, unless you're a guy like Russ Westbrook or James Harden who just has the ball in their hands, you know, the entire game or whatever. Yeah. If you're Julius Randle, you can't have four assists, four turnovers. That's just it cancels each other out, and that's kind of. 
you look at it, that's kind of been his MO his entire career of, you know, about the same assist to, you know, assist to turnover ratio of one or, you know, whatever it is, they're about equal. Um, and it just, it, and it goes back to that point guard talk, because if they're putting Barrett at the point, they don't want him, whole, carry, you know, carrying the ball up the court every time and having the ball in his hands like 90% of the time. They want someone to take that pressure off of him. And Randall, I mean, I think he'll be he'll be better as the season goes on because he's got to figure things out too. He's with a new team, new offense, new coach, everything like that. But I mean, this this idea like coming into the season that Randall was going to be this amazing facilitator and he's going to be the focal point and you know. And listen, I know this is just a lot. This was Knicks fans who were just you know talking crap on Twitter, and I fully support people to do just do that on Twitter because that's what Twitter's meant for. But I mean, Julius Randle's not better than Chris Epps, Porzingis. Come on. Like, I've, I saw that take after game one. That, like, you know, <laughs> Porzingis shot like six for 17 or whatever it was. And Randle was like, you know, 11 for eight. I forget his exact numbers. But Randle clearly had the better game one. Everyone's like, well, oh, we didn't need Porzingis. Randle's enough. 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 Like, Randle is a very good player. But he's not like, he's, he's not, a, he can't be the number one guy in the playoff team. I just don't think he's at that level, and maybe he'll prove me wrong. It's three games into the season, but he's not. I don't think he will. I don't. I don't think. I don't think the, this Knicks team is even going to sniff the playoffs. When no. in the beginning of the season, you had a lot of people who were talking. You know, oh well, the Knicks they probably won't make it, but they're going to be in the mix. I mean, you know, our friend Colin was one of those people who friend of the show, Colin Loring. Well, um, friend of yours, yeah, yeah, friend, friend of mine, Tim, him and Chip, you guys have <laughs> have your disagreements, but we got to get him back on the show because he was, he was banging that drum all off season that like, you know, and I, I don't, I, I don't want to, I'm Colin's not here to defend himself, so we're not, I'm not going to rip him too much, but uh, I think he was one, he was in that camp of those people who were saying, you know, maybe ten in the East, maybe you know, maybe the East isn't as good as we think it is, and they kind of fight for that spot. I think through three games, we can pretty safely say that the playoffs are not are not in the cards for this next team. So when I kind of half-jokingly said that Julius Randle could be our version of Nikola Jokic, I may have been a <laughs> little premature in that, I think. That's uh, pre- that was preseason chip talking. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> it absolutely was. Um, yeah. He, my kind of worst fears with him have been realized in these first three games and that he's very isolation oriented too. like a lot of guys. He, uh, he kind of dribbles the air out of the ball a little bit, which is reminiscent of a certain other player that we used to have here. And I'm, I'm kind of worried that if he keeps having a few rough games that he's going to become the target of some fans too but I, I think I think that's a safe bet yeah but like you said he had a really good year last year I think he's a really talented player but he tends to get himself into trouble by over dribbling and he turns the ball over and he he made some uh plays last night where and a couple players did they just dribbled the ball right into the middle of the paint and they were getting the ball stolen from him easily and it was just basic stuff, and it's just over dribbling, and they're not moving the ball. And 
a lot of isolation stuff, guys trying to do stuff themselves and not just Randall, but how many Randall, times, sorry, I didn't mean, to no, you no, off, go ahead. Go ahead. How, how many times have we seen just all the offense is give the ball to Randall or Marcus Morris on that left post? How, like yeah. how many times have we seen that so far this year? And I get that those are two of your guys, you know, vets who can kind of create their own shot. And if, if it's at the end of the shot clock, that's not the worst thing in the world. But how many times have we seen the offense start from Randall or Morris catching the ball on the, the left post and then nothing else happening in the play? Maybe one guy cuts. Maybe there's one off-ball screen. But it's just stagnant. And it's like, all right, let's, you know, it's like what Fizdale's been saying. It's like, all right, your turn now. Okay, now it's your turn. Like, Randall didn't. Randall didn't get the get the uh, the left post. He didn't. He didn't get that little turnaround jumper. Next time down. All right, Marcus Morris. Let's see if you can get that turnaround jumper. It's like the, and uh, it's. I know it's so early, but the offense just looks looks bad. Looks bad, and it looks boring and basic. And if R.J. Barrett doesn't have the ball in his hands, there's nothing dynamic about it. There really isn't, and. For all Smith's faults, that's what you could say about him. When he had the ball in his hands on offense, he looked dynamic, and he was able to make some plays. But it's yeah, the what's the guy, the assistant coach Butchler, Butchler, Jed, Butchler? yeah, yeah, Jed, Jed yeah. Butchler. I think I think it's yeah. Butchler's type. Butchler, now. yeah. Um, I guess he told Rebecca Harlow. Uh, during halftime or whatever, that it was tough because they were all uh, learning the new offense. So they were still getting used to that. And I was like, how hard could it possibly be for them to learn that offense? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there's no way. They they all learn that offense during training camp. They all know what they're doing. And <laughs> they, also, like, this is just... This is just bad luck for MSG. So I feel bad for like the you know the people behind the behind the, uh, the yeah. game broadcast because I think they're probably I mean all those people are good people, but yeah, <laughs> like they're like they had that where they're talking about you know learning the offense and then it was like the first two plays down were just like the worst, like oh, yeah. just just like the same old you know nothing happening, and then it's you know they they had when they were getting smacked by the Nets they had a whole segment. From you know Marcus Morris and David Fisdale, like oh we're dogs, we're dogs, we're you know. And <laughs> to their to their credit, they did fight back in that game. But it's like they and the, oh, there was one, there was another one in the first game. I can't remember what it was exactly, but it feels like MSG on the broadcast has had like three or four times where they're talking about something or they're rolling fit, footage of an interview, and then it's just like the exact opposite is happening on the court. It's and. It just—I know it sucks from like the broadcast view of like the people behind the scenes because they're probably you know they do that before the game obviously and it's like a really good segment like they're getting good quotes like good TV stuff and then it's just like you can't control what they do on the court um, and I, it's just one of those things that it just made me like laugh to keep from crying. Yeah, it's sometimes all you have to do at the Knicks is laugh, like I mentioned. The Jets before are, I've been laughing, doing nothing but laugh at the Jets for years, and I hope this was going to be different. But yet, the, I think, are, wait, are you talking about the time when they said uh, the Knicks need to uh, fix the turnover situation after uh, yeah, half yeah, that's and then they turned the ball over? That's what it was. 
that's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, it was like they're talking <laughs> about we got to take care of the ball, got to turn over, and the two just awful turnovers. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, like right, right in a row, and it was like the same yeah. kind of play, I think, too. Oh God, yeah, they look. There was a lot of hype around this team for a Knicks team, like you said. They they said right away. At they wanted to win, they were pushing that, and I think Clyde even said yesterday, like uh, once the game was decided, pretty much he said uh, Monday becomes a must win now against the Bulls. And look, you don't want to start zero and four, obviously, and I know Clyde has to say that because he has to sell like the potential playoff run, even though we all know mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. But starting 0-4, that's just depressing, man. I mean, it really is. And, look, I know the Bulls just got smacked by uh, Toronto, but they're better than us. Marketing's having a pretty good year so far. I mean, I haven't, yeah. I haven't watched a ton of Bulls yet, but uh, the few glimpses but, I've caught, I mean, marketing, he that, that kid is legit. He can, he yeah. can play. It's not, I mean, it's not going to be easy, the Bulls coming in, coming into, you know, the garden. I mean – it's the same thing every year. Every year when teams come to the Garden, they get up. I mean, Kemba Walker has played the best games of his career going back to probably, I mean, definitely college, but I don't, even, I don't know if he ever played in the Garden when he was in high school in a big game or something. Kemba Walker yeah, dominates know. it at Madison Square Garden. And, I mean, I, I posted something about it, yet, or just the quote on Twitter yesterday, but, um, like, before the season, you know, Marcus Morris – you know, no one's coming in here and no one's laughing at us in the garden. We're going to protect the garden. Uh, okay, I have the extra. Here it is. Old school Knicks protect the garden. You know, my biggest thing is no one's coming in here and disrespecting us. They were, the Knicks fans were chanting for Taco Fall yesterday. The Celtics bench was like going nuts. Like Marcus yeah. Smart was laughing his ass off. They were, you know, Taco Fall, just these standing dunks. Looked like the Celtics were having the greatest time of their life. I mean, this wasn't this wasn't LeBron James flipping a water bottle on the side, but it was pretty damn close. And you know, they're talking this big game. No one's going to embarrass us in the Garden. We're going to punch you in the mouth. This is you know, we're protecting home court <sighs> through one game. Doesn't look good. I mean, yeah, you got forty. You got forty more to change that narrative. But uh, we're going to be a gritty, tough team. Protect home court. All that talk in the preseason that everyone bought into and everyone was, you know, just lapping it up, that's clearly, clearly they have something to prove still because it's great to hear it in preseason. It's great. Oh, we're going to be tough. Get it done on the court, man. Yeah, it is. It's great to hear. Like you said, great to hear in the preseason, but it is all talk until they actually show it. And with Marcus, in Marcus Morris's case, what does he really care? He's he's really just talking because in three months or whatever it is, he could be on a new team. Guy's a mercenary. He's on a one-year contract. Whether he's traded or not, he's probably going to be on a new team next year anyway. Mm-hmm. So the guy, for him, it really is just all talk. What does he really care? Um, uh, but for if like R.J. Barrett were to say something like that, then yeah, it would mean something. But yeah, when it comes from Fizz... When you see like David Fisdale say they can't embarrass us in our house anymore, stuff like that, then yeah, 
he needs to address that the Celtics made us look like a joke again. And basically turned that game at the end of the game into like their own personal uh, practice, trying to get their guy uh, to have some fun at our expense. It was embarrassing. And I'm not sure if they addressed it post game or anything, but yeah, like you said, Morris said teams aren't going to come in here and have fun at our expense anymore. Or whatever he said, it it happened immediately. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that I think that's yeah, that's that's the issue I'm having with the whole thing is like it's one game. There's 40 more. We can forget about this if the Knicks do end up playing well at home during this season, but. One game into the season, and you're, or one game into, you know, you're uh, playing at home, and it's already like the same old, same old, despite all the chatter. I think what you're kind of, what I think you're trying to get to, and what I agree with is Morris and Fisdale are, were trying to imply the teams were going to be intimidated by the Knicks mm-hmm. because they signed yeah. Marcus Morris and they signed Taj Gibson and they signed these other tough veterans. No one's intimidated by the Knicks because the name is still the Knicks. Yeah. They're still the Knicks. They're still people still laugh at them. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what I think. I feel like we, we've covered pretty much everything that we can. And I, yeah. at this point, I don't know what else to say about this team. It's as bad a start as you can almost imagine. And the problem with that is, like like we said, the R.J. Barrett stuff is so, so good. That's what Knicks fans should be just laser-focusing in on R.J. Barrett right now. And, like, that's we have good things. We have good things coming. The future is bright. But it's hard to do that when everything else is going wrong. And, well, I mean, I was going to say something negative about Fisdale, but I feel like I feel like I got all that out already. I've I've been bottling that up for the last what is it like uh, twelve hours or so. Mm-hmm. That's been bottled up. Uh, yeah, I think it's all out. Knicks fans should absolutely look at RJ Barrett highlights and nothing but. And uh, if you ever want to feel angry for some reason, just read something that David Fisdale has said or look at a. Twitter video of one of his nonsensical quotes about the point guard situation. Yeah, I mean, this is, we're, this is just a tough spot for the Knicks. And you, I don't think anyone expected it to be. I mean, I, I think people would have said in the beginning of the season they could be 0 3 because they had three tough games to start. But yeah. it's about as bad an 0 3 as you can have, feels like. And you got the Bulls on on Monday, which winnable game you would think at home against a team that's kind of in that same boat that you are of, you know, what what really is their identity. Um, but, hey, if you lose to the Bulls, your next five games are at Orlando, at Boston, home against Sacramento, who actually hasn't looked good at all, um, yeah. and then at, at Detroit, at Dallas. That... The Knicks could be staring at a very, very poor record through their first, you know, nine, ten games of the season, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I've I've always been in the camp that Fizdale deserves at least two years after the abomination of a roster that he got in year one, but 
I think I think it was uh, NYK Terry and Trey said on Twitter that at the game, it feels like Fire Fisdale chants are like are close. Which I don't yeah. think that's com- I don't think that's completely fair to him. I think it's fair to criticize him. I think it's tough to do that. You know, I mean, he's not Isaiah Thomas, but man, oh man, this is almost like a crisis mode at this point, and we got seventy nine games left. Yeah. <laughs> We have 79 games left. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember when we were doing the, the preseason stuff, and I was, like, going through every all the ESPN stuff and all the Ringer stuff. I was listening to uh, Zach Lowe's, like, predictions, and he mm-hmm. said, uh, will David Fisdale have his job by the end of the year? And I just laughed. I was like, come on. It's, Scott Perry loves David Fisdale. They love David Fisdale. And now I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve Mills is still is still in the mix there. I mean, yeah. I don't uh, who know who knows, but this 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 has the feel of like one of those and I, um, I don't even it it kind of to me right now has the feel of one of those like Knicks getting, you know, just all right, you know, it's not working. Let's move on. Let's figure something else out. Which, I mean, they've been preaching patience for you know the last year and a half, two years. I mean, we'll we'll see if because if if it continues to be this bad and Fisdale has a job through the year, then I mean they're being patient. But I mean, we'll we'll see where it goes because I, I, mean, I I don't know. I, I I don't think he should be fired. Like I I've, I've said, he, I think he deserves at least two full seasons before we even talk about that stuff. But I mean, the fa- the fans who the fan base who has been saying for the last year, we we're happy being patient. We don't mind rebuilding. That's fine with us. Like as long as there's a long-term vision, but now three games in the season, there's like Fisdale songs are the worst, which I don't know, man. This is just, it feels like this season is just unraveling quickly. And I don't know if there's much more to say, at least I, I, I don't have anything else to say about this because even though I'm not, I'm not like a you know a diehard Knicks fan like like you and everyone you know listening to this podcast right now, but I feel exasperated. Right? I, I feel like yeah. exhausted after watching this. Yeah, I mean, I don't want him fired per se. Yeah, and I'm, like, I don't, I don't mean to put words in your mouth because yeah. I don't think you're you're saying that. But you know, obviously, there's meatball fans out there who are shouting it from the Twitter rooftops. Yeah, uh, I think that's a little much. It is really early. And I'd like to see what he does by the end of the season. Yeah. But if they win like 20 games again, Mm. that's rough. Yeah. That's rough. I don't know. It depends on who's out there, I guess, to hire. If there's no one out there to hire, I mean, then why fire him if you can't replace him with someone better? But... Yeah, if you don't improve much on your record from the year before, then you may have to consider making the move. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I guess we'll we'll see we'll see what happens these these next stretch of games, which is such a big big stretch right off the bat. Um, but I guess we'll we'll have to see what happens. We will be back with you guys at some point later in this week. We just wanted to get in our first episode of the regular season. Chip and I, we obviously had a few things to talk about. I think this was 
this was one of uh, one of your more uh, high energy <laughs> shows. I think I'll say that. I don't want to say yeah. too, I don't want to say you're too too negative because I think <laughs> I think all of your points that you were making were pretty valid, and I think that's how a lot of people feel. But hey, it's a good high energy show for a uh, a bad start to the season. Yeah, yeah, I. I think everything uh, that I said was pretty valid. You know, there may be, are there Fizdale fans out there who would disagree with me? They may be, there may be people out there like that. There were Phil Jackson people out there who I used to get into it with all the time. But look, I, that's what I think. So I get, it's, it's the regular season, man. It's, it's the regular season. It's different than the preseason. There's no, there's no hopes and dreams anymore. Now it's just results. Yep. It's different. It's different. Now there's box scores and bullshit. And now we have to watch, like you mentioned, we have to watch the offense and we have to, God, watch the defense. Unfortunately, we have to watch the defense when Mitch is off the court and what passes for defense at the rim. Jesus Christ. Julius Randle is a disaster. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's it's on unba- it's embarrassing, but yeah, it's different. It's just all the uh, talk leading up to the season. It's over now, and now we have to pick apart actual basketball games instead of trades and signings and what might happen in twenty twenty one. Yeah, hey, who knows? We might be talking about the draft in twenty twenty one. Sooner than we thought. <laughs> yeah, <soon>. exactly. <laughs> uh, man. All right. So we're, we're, we'll wrap this up here. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Next State of Mind podcast. And we will be back at you, hopefully, with, with some more positive thoughts after these next few games. <laughs> <laughs>